1: Yesterday, we began a look at just exactly who it is Jesus is coming for. We'll continue that look as our series, Guess Who's Coming, continues next. Join us. Hi there. Thank you for joining us today. We're spending time in 2 Thessalonians. Today, chapter 2, and our focus is on verse 13. As Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules will continue our series, Guess Who's Coming, we take a look at who he is coming for and how the chosen are folded in to this second coming. Won't you join us? It's a very encouraging look at the second coming and the hope that is laid out for us as Paul applies it in 2 Thessalonians. Here's Pastor Phil with today's program.
2: I remember when God began to set me apart from his crowd and set me apart from those guys I ran with. What was going on? The Holy Spirit was sanctifying me, setting me aside for sacred use. Uh, Give up on stealing. Give up on jumping somebody. Give up being San Pablo hoodlums. I'm going to set you apart for the king's service so by the time I'm 15, I've lost all my old buddies. Why? The Spirit of God is sanctifying, sanctifying, setting me apart. And don't be surprised when you first got saved that you lost all your drinking buddies, your carousing buddies, and everybody you told dirty jokes with. What happened? What happened? They don't like me anymore. You know why? The Spirit likes you and He's setting you apart. You're different. You're meant to be different. Don't be odd. But we are different. And I've met some weird Christians, believe me. Only God would have them. You know, uh, I don't think you have to be weird, but we are different. We have different appetites, different things amuse me, uh, different people attract me. What is that? It's the work of the Spirit. It's not that you're so holy. He's holy. And he begins to set you apart for all these holy appetites. And you could all say, he has set me apart to things. I love the things I used to hate. I used to hate to go to church because I I was guilty. And I didn't want to go to the police station every week to know. I knew I was guilty. But boy, once I met the judge, and the judge is Jesus... And he gave me a full pardon. I'm going to tell you, I, I love being around where he is. And the reason I love being with saints, I get a little bit of Jesus when the saints are walking in holiness. They look a little bit like him. You know, I, it's a strange thing. When my dad died, I used to love to hug his remaining brothers. They all smelled alike. I, I don't know, just maybe oaky blood. But I would just hug my Uncle Frank or Uncle Zach, and I would just say, Man, they not only looked alike, but they smelled alike. And I just, it gave me some contact with what my dad's people were like. And uh, what's lovely about the saints is there's a little bit of Jesus in every saint. No Jesus, no saint. But when Jesus lives in the heart, there's a little bit of Jesus. Thanks to God that he set us apart. Uh, And that's a lifelong process, by the way. Then he says, I thank God that he called us by the gospel. He called you to this through our gospel. Um, You know what's interesting thing? The word for called became a noun. It became a title. It was a verb, but it became a noun to designate the saints because they had a word, a kuo, that we get acoustics from, and then they put a cuo, and it meant I heard and believed. I heard and responded. I not just heard words and messages, I heard and I answered. And I said, yes, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow. And God one day speaks, come out from the world, Follow me, not a voice of another. And when we, we heard that call, all of a sudden they named early believers called ones. Not that they just heard it, but they'd heard and responded. And he says, you people were not only called in the gospel, but you responded to the gospel and you are called ones. You know what the word for church means? Called out of. The church are the called out of ones. Eck out of, exit. And kaleo, to call. We've been called out of something. Out of darkness. Out of sin. Out of the kingdom of darkness. And into something. Into Christ. And he says, I thank God. You're called of God. You heard the gospel. And he gave you an ear to perceive it and believe it. Do you remember when you first heard his voice? And it penetrated your heart. And you said, yes. I believe. I receive Not just to hear another sermon, another song, another lecture. I heard the voice of eternity saying, come, come, I'll make you my own. He said, I thank God I was there when I preached at Thessalonica. And you heard the call, you responded to it, and you were saved. I saw it. The Spirit worked mightily and saved you. It took a mighty work of the Spirit of God to save every one of you individuals. It is no small thing. Not everyone has heard the voice. Many are called. Few are chosen. Many hear a message. Few respond to it in faith. Wow. He thanks God for them. I love what he says here. He called you to the salvation through our gospel, and I thank God for it, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, now that is quite a statement. You know, I I grew up with Isaiah 46 and passages that says, Don't take the credit. Don't take the glory. My glory I will share with no one else. God said that. And so I was taught by my dad, by my sister, and by old-time Christians, Don't you take the credit or its curtains. You will fall. And I believe them, and I believe it's the Word of God. The moment you want the credit, it's over. It's for God's glory. We live to the glory of God, not to the glory of ourselves. Right? I don't care if if it's you or a preacher. If everything you're doing is for you and your glory and your credit, why should God bless you, egomaniac? You're serving your own God, and it's you. We live to the glory of God, whether we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything to enhance his reputation. I think that's what the Bible says matter of fact I'm being sarcastic I know it says that 1 Corinthians 10 31 live to the glory of God it's not about us sounds like Rick Warren doesn't it well it sounds like the Bible but then I got a verse here that Paul says but I rejoice that this salvation is going to let you share in the glory of Jesus Christ what's this? I get to share in the glory of Christ? I was hoping you'd ask. Turn to Romans. Let's just take a little journey and see what he means. Romans, that's the uh, sixth book of the New Testament. And if you've been in this church, your Bible should automatically fall open there. Look at what he says in 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The glory that's coming. He said our suffering's not even worthy. He said... In 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan eagerly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, and I take this as the displaying that we've been adopted, the redemption of our bodies. Watch this now. Go with me to uh, Philippians 3. 3.21 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. That's why it gets discouraging to vote down here. My real politics are in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Did you hear that? That's part of the glory. He's going to transform my body into a glorious body made like his. Think of that. Flesh and blood. Won't, there won't be any blood, but flesh and bone and spirit and a body like that of the resurrected Christ. Look at what he says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And of course, this was an enduring church, and they're given the promise, as in Revelation. Those who endure, those who continue with me, are promised to reign with me, reign with Christ. The glory of Christ will be revealed. Look at First uh, John chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I thank God right now that someday I'm going to get to share in the glory of my redeemed Savior. This redemptor and this redeeming God is going to come back. And when he's pouring out... Uh, fire on his enemies at Armageddon and he ends that war when there's carnage all over the saints come riding in white garments which is the righteousness of the saints the righteous acts they did for Christ and they're going to be with him we get to crown him, we get to cast crowns at his feet, we get to have a glorified body, we get to share in the glory that's coming and there is a glory that will outshine the sun and outlast it. Oh, that is going to be a marvelous day when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him and in a moment in the twinkling of an eye have a glorified body, skin worms killed, body permanentized, and forever get to adore the Lamb, dwell with him in the new Jerusalem, reign over nations with him. Think of it. All of this. This is what God gives to those who he has chosen, who he's loved, who he has saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, who've been called by the gospel and believed that gospel. Now, he says, you're going to get to share in the glory of the coming Christ. Don't be afraid, saints. He's telling them, don't be afraid of the day of the Lord. Don't be afraid of the message of the false teachers. Ahead for you is glory, not wickedness, not the day of the Lord and its great judgments. If we do go into the day of the Lord, I'm sure you'll be glad to tell me about it. And I'll endure it with you. But everything I know now, he keeps telling me, don't lose your hope. I've given you not a blessed dread, but a blessed hope. And the hope is, I'm going to let you share in my glory. If you suffer with me now, you'll reign with me then. What a great thing in salvation. And of course, if we were in a church that responded, you'd be happy. Uh, But you're sanctified and petrified. Uh, Turn, if you will. You can bear all that. That's a long-term pastor talking. Second Thessalonians. Uh, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings. This is his exhortation. Hold on. Stand firm. Did you read about the pilot that he turned over his plane? I forget the name. I want to say his last name. It was Ramsey. I just read it. But he turned over his plane to his co-pilot to go back and check. They heard some noise in the back. And he's went. as he went back, it was just a 15-passenger, uh, he uh, fell down something, Some way the uh, door flew open, and he uh, was sucked out by the wind. But on his way out, there was a rail there, I guess, for steps. And some way he grabbed those steps and held on, and the co-pilot knew something was wrong. So he decided to land, and when they landed the plane, the pilot's face was 12 inches from the ground because he'd frozen his hands to hold on. And this guy just went ahead and landed because he couldn't go back to help him. He just landed. And he was only 12 inches from the ground when they landed. And they said they had to pry his hand off of this rail. He hung for all of life. And I wonder sometimes if we couldn't get a grip on the truth. Your life counts on it. Be established. That's what scares me. After 35 years of pastoring and preaching... How many folks haven't yet been established? They still don't hold to the teachings. They like the music. They like the warmth. They'll hear a sermon, but they've never gotten it. They've never been, I've got it. I'm holding on to the truth. I've been taught. No one's going to tear it. Let all the false teachings come down the pipe. Let all the televangelists tell us a bunch of lies. And not all of them are lying. But let's hear all the garbage that's going. I am holding on for dear life. That's what he's saying. Be established. Hold to the traditions. Have you found anything in the word of God yet that you're clinging to with all your life? That's what he's saying. Hold on. Don't let these false teachers disturb you anymore. Stand firm. Hold to the teachings we passed on. Sixth thing he thanks God for, and I think this is ours. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace, gave us eternal encouragement. (laughs) is that a beautiful thing? Eternal encouragement. who, who can give you eternal encouragement? You can translate this comfort or encouragement. Either way, eternal comfort, eternal encouragement. Uh, God gave you that in the gospel. And I just thought, that is amazing. God's the only one that can give you anything eternal. Uh, I, I read years ago about furniture has what they call planned obsolescence. Do you understand that? Planned obsolescence. And that is the furniture industry said we cannot make money by making things that last. So we will make things to last five years. We will make things to last three years. And it just so happened it wore out. Well, that keeps you coming back, keeps you dependent. Why make something that could last for a lifetime? I remember in the 50s, uh, I think it's my folks' 25th anniversary, uh, Hazel wanted to throw a big surprise birth uh, anniversary for my folks. You know what she decided they needed? She needed one of those dinette sets, you know, stainless steel and all that marble look like on the top. Oh, she just, my, my, my folks need to get out of Oklahoma and get to the 50s, you know. She bought that. She was so proud. But she traded in an old table that today and the chairs would be worth five to $6,000. I mean, my dad, because my dad could jump through a broom handle. He, would, he could just jump and then put it under, just go up. And he could jump up on this table that was about, oh, it was right about there. It was high. There were seven of us at it. So it was a big old table, chairs made like, boy, Stronger than you can imagine. And they gave her about a hundred bucks. And they came home, and Dad was trying to act excited. It lasted about four years, turned into junk. But it was current and it was new. It just was a piece of junk compared to the table they got rid of. Do you know what I mean? When God gives something, He can always put on it, it's good for eternity. Eternal encouragement. Can you stand the thought of being eternally encouraged? I mean, eternally encouraged. I mean, all my Christian life has not been days of encouragement. Some days I love to grumble. It just feels good at times. It's ungodly, it's sin, but it's just so human. And he says, in your salvation, don't worry. When I come, I won't keep your mind in perpetual disturbance. I'll keep you in a state of eternal encouragement. And the last thing, and he said, it comes by grace. He said, and by that, I give my people hope based on grace. Look what he says. This is last thing. And good hope By grace, I've given you eternal encouragement. And by grace, I've given you hope. I thank God right now. I have an eternal hope. I have eternal encouragement. I've been set apart by the Spirit of God. I've been called by the gospel. I've been chosen of God. I've been loved from before time and will be loved for all of time. I am drowning right now in thanksgiving that I got when I met Jesus. What about you? Yeah, you can applaud this great God. So I would say to you today, uh, share this with your family in Thanksgiving if you know the Lord. And uh, uh, by the way, I'm so delighted that we've got a dear aunt of Carolyn's. When I met Carolyn when she was 16, this woman was teaching her how to teach Sunday school and worked in a little church in Concord. Husband was not a believer. Nadine never missed a service in church teaching children. Uh, Now she's in her 80s. I can't tell you any more than that. I might get in trouble. Uh, Walked with God. God finally saved her husband after she went to church all those years and just took my little uh, wife-to-be who was living with a home that was in trouble and sin was ravishing. Found refuge in a little aunt that just kept taking her to church and living for God. We'll never be able to pay back that debt, Nadine. And you gave me a wonderful, wonderful wife. I thank God for His goodness. Father, thanks, thanks for choosing, for calling, for setting us apart, for being forever loved, promised forever encouragement, promised hope. 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 As we looked at the faces of those yesterday, there was no hope, despair, pain, grief, abandonment. But we, your children, through no merit of our own, have come into the focus to be the object of your eternal love. I can't figure out all the ramifications, Lord, of who and why and why this one, not that one. We all just get on the edges of these truths and finally just bow and say, I'll just take you at your word. Thanks for some way wanting us here that know you to be a people of your own bosom and of your own will. And you didn't get us cheap. You got us by way of the cross. You paid, it seems to me, far more than we were ever worth. But justice demanded a supreme price that no human being, no bullock, no lamb could ever satisfy. So the lamb at your right hand came. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for making it all possible through your death and resurrection. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Deliver me from murmuring. Deliver me from doubting. Deliver me from being discouraged as I look to myself and to circumstance. Help us today to look to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave us this wonderful salvation. We pray in Jesus' name.
1: So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864.